0: Welcome back to the original Gangsters podcast. It's been a few weeks, but we're glad to be back on air. I uh, have a great show for you today. Uh, before we get started, please remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. This is Jimmy Bucciolato here. I'm with my partners in crime, Scott Bernstein and Roberto Bochain. Hey now. Uh, we have a round hey now. Roundtable uh, episode for you today. A lot of um, things going down in the underworld. The last few weeks we need to update you on. We'd like to talk about uh, some, some things going on with Black Mafia family. Uh, Scott Bernstein has some real unique insight into that. We'll talk about uh, some of the uh, um, violence, increasing violence going on in Canada, in the underworld. But the real hot story we're going to lead off with is about um, hip-hop legend. Jam Master J from, from Run DMC. So, uh, Scott or Robbie, you want to start off? Give, give people a little background on, on, on why this is such a big story in, in the underworld. Obviously, he's a, a hip Well, the, sto- the story is that his alleged killers were indicted this week
1: after, you know, the case had gone cold for almost two decades. You know, he was murdered in 2002, and charges are now finally coming in 2020 so what
0: what were the circumstances of his execution? Remind the audience like what that was in his studio, right and that go down yeah in well his they, studio?
1: there was a lot of speculation um that seems to be being cleared up by these charges um and by some of the uh u s attorneys um comments in the indictment so The two, the the alleged two shooters, uh, Ron Washington and Carl Sanders, were allegedly partners with Jam Master J in a drug distribution ring. Um, And they fell out over a 10 kilo shipment that Jam Master J had received and was divvying up or not divvying up the right way, uh, allegedly cutting out Washington and Sanders from, um, the deal that he was making, uh, and, and Sanders and, 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 Washington came to his, uh, his, his recording studio and, and
0: killed him execution style. So what do we know about these two suspects? What do we know about their backgrounds? Anything in that indictment that you I believe they're both in prison now on other charges.
1: And what's interesting about Ronnie Washington um, is that he is considered the top suspect and the alleged trigger man in the Randy Stretch Walker murder, which was one of the first um, gangland slayings that ignited what became known as the
2: East Coast West Coast rap war. To the one year to the day.
1: Yes. And Stretch Walker was a, a, a confidant of Tupac.
0: So what do you think about, is there any substance to that connection that he may have had something to do with, with, with that murder as well? I think he was just a, a, a criminal that had a, a, a lot
1: of irons in the fire. I don't think necessarily that um, the Stretch Walker murder and the Jam Master J murder are connected.
0: No, but I, um, but I, I mean, know there was what what I was gonna say is do you think do you think that there's merit to that allegation that he was not that they're connected, yes. but that that he was a, that he's a viable suspect. He was a trigger man in both, I believe. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at.
1: Okay. Yeah. And there was initial speculation when the when the murder first happened that it was tied to Kenny Supreme McGriff and the Murder Inc. crew, the the, the music label with Herb Gotti and that it had to do with Jam Master Jay's affiliation with 50 Cent, um, who was at one time a, a lieutenant under Kenny Supreme McGriff and then had a, a, a falling out with him. His Him and his mom both had a falling out with with Supreme McGriff. And, um, you know, hip-hop mythology um, tells you that, uh, you know, 50 Cent was shot nine times, survived uh, being shot nine times. And, you know, that that attempted hit uh, is alleged to have come from Supreme. Um, so there was a lot of people that believed that Jam Master Jay got caught in the middle of it and was being killed on, on the orders of Supreme McGriff for his connection to, to, to 50 Cent. I think that this indictment and the specifics that we found out um, in the indictment, according to the u s attorney that that kind of blows that theory out of the water and, and absolves um, a, a supreme griff of, of having any any role in in J. master jay's murder
0: so what what uh led to these indictments what any idea like the the, the parts in motion here that were no, this is i don't going? know i do know that
1: at least Washington was named as a suspect in both Jam Master Jay and Stretch Walker's murder decades ago. I mean, fifteen years ago. So, so he, he's been
0: on the radar.
2: Now, I up. mean, you guys remember though, you I'll know that you Stretch Stretch was uh, a member of Thug Life, the gr- the rap group, and before that had a uh, uh, he had featured on some of Tupac's songs. Um, on his second album and tupac just so people know thug life was was tupac 's side project right but but it 's but it 's also kind of weird though when i I went back and looked at some of the you know when you look at the thug life c d and you open that and you look at pictures it 's always kind of weird of who was in and who was out and i don 't know it just seemed to me like that like sometimes there were five guys sometimes there was more than... five. I don't know. It it wasn't like a set standard thing, but...
1: Wasn't there also another one or two offshoots of Tupac's brand that also included members of Thug Life and other groups? Like, wasn't one of them called, like, I want to say the Young Guns, but I don't think that's right.
2: The Outlaws. There's another another
1: group. Maybe it was the Outlaws.
2: Yeah. Well,
0: the Outlaws... No, the Outlaws was as some of the Thug Life guys were in the Outlaws. Like, only yeah, one though, right? Probably, yeah, only. I thought it was more. No, because Big Psych was in both, and there was one of the other guys, like maybe his stepbrother or something like Mo that. Mo Prem. I think so. Yeah, I think he was. Wasn't he Khomeini? They all. The oh, yeah, they had
2: different names, so it was weird.
0: What about Hussein Fado? The- oh yeah, that might have been that. that maybe that been,
2: was Mo Prem.
0: That might've been Tupac's brother. I can't, I can't. Yeah. No, hey, uh, uh, Fatal was, was Tupac's best friend
1: from growing up. Their parents were both black Panthers and Hussein Fatal, who was one of the only, if not the only eyewitness to Tupac's murder was then killed a month
0: later in New Jersey. That's right. And, um, you know, speaking of Stretch, one of my favorite Tupac songs of all time, it's a deep track, but I, I think it's in my top five Tupac songs, is a song he did with Stretch on the Above the Rim soundtrack, Pain.
2: That's right. You know, that's, yeah.
0: that, that's only available on the cassette. That's right. That, that wasn't on the vinyl or the CD. I and mean, and I think about that. YouTube, he
2: So, the, you know, they, they were they were friends, they hung together, but then this thing happens... On that November night
1: in '94, that Quad City shoot, Quad, uh, Quad where, Studio shoot, right? we
2: stretches with him, and I, and I think the only guy other guy with them was was Tupac's uh, sister's boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Zane, I think they called him. Yeah, and you know, here's the thing: the, the crazy thing was that the the whole. The whole New York music scene was in this recording studio. All three floors. The recording studio has three studios, three floors. And no one gets touched when they go in. People far more uh, uh, rich than, than Tupac. You know, they, anyone in that studio, that there were studio heads in there that could buy and sell Tupac all day, but he, he's the one that gets attacked on that, on that ground floor. Shout out Haitian Jack. Right, and not and not and and, and Stretch, <laughs> Stretch just lays back and lets it happen. I think he knew.
0: Well, he and Tupac had a falling out, right? I mean, Tupac always suspected Stretch.
2: Well, after the fact, right? But he at that night he couldn't understand why Stretch, who was like six eight, wasn't you know
0: having his back.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you
0: and he, what. Stretch Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Jimmy. No, I was just going to say Stretch was a a street guy too, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, And if if, if you guys read, did you read that, um, did you ever see, it was on a written letter of uh, when Tupac was doing the liner notes for Machiavelli? Have you ever seen that? No. Yeah posthumously they 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 you know they really edited it and got it out there but if you read the letter and look it up google it it starts with i dedicate this record to that snitch jack Agnon." yeah um you know and then he goes on to puff big um and jack Ognat uh, is haitian jack jimmy henchman right and then and then he really goes nuts he he you know now he, he goes after Dr. Dre calling him uh, you know, saying that he's yeah. bisexual Question homosexual. Sexuality. <laughs> yeah. Um he goes after Mob D. he goes after Nas, he goes after Jay-Z. Um and he and he's basically saying in this letter, like, we let's go. What you know but he never got the chance to do it.
1: What I find most compelling about the specifics that we found out about the Jam Master Jay hit in this indictment and i guess it shouldn't be shocking considering what we know about the confluence of the hip-hop world and the drug world but in 2002 run dmc ain't paying the bills anymore for jam master j to the point where he needs to be a not just a drug dealer but a, a, a weight man he's moving to get 10 kilo shipments i mean that's
0: that's weight that's serious weight Let's talk about that because uh, you know he doesn't fit the usual suspects here. I mean, Run DMC was never a gangster rap uh, right. group at all, uh, so he does not fit the usual suspects here. And then, second of all, no, but he never, leave- but he,
2: but he never left his neighborhood. He was, he was always, um, you know, he never left that neighborhood in, uh, in Queens.
0: So he was. He still had some. He still had street cred. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't living in L.A.
2: He had a recording uh, studio. I mean, he you know he was he was a known guy in that neighborhood. You know what I mean? Someone Uh,
0: when I was asking
1: someone about it in the industry this week, trying to kind of wrap my head around it, they mentioned to me, and I and it makes sense. They said, "Jam Master Jay didn't have any writing credits on those songs, so he wasn't getting the residuals and the royalties that." Uh, Run and 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 Daryl getting.
2: I'm not surprised. I well, mean, that, I think that, you know one of the one of the coolest albums, uh, a great album. It came out in 2001. Was the uh, Crown Royal album from Run DMC? Right, oh. and it has all three guys on the cover. It's released by Def Jam, but uh, DMC had nothing to do with it. All they did was sample his voice and put it on the tracks. But it was basically a Jam Master Jay and Run album. And they had a lot of great guests on it. They had Nas on there. I mean, anybody you can imagine was on there. And I thought it was a great album, but um, I, but it, it really failed it's, You know, with hip-hop fans. It was weak.
1: I also think it speaks to the... Well, I shouldn't say it speaks to. I think it's, it in some ways, when you look at the... The difference in hip hop eras from the early hip hop rap era of the 80s into what we have now in the 2000s, 2010s. In the 80s and 90s, there were a lot of guys performing gangster rap that weren't gangsters.
0: Oh, yeah. Now
1: you have a lot of these quote unquote trap rappers that were. Drug dealers that are now musicians, but you know Run DMC, like you said, they didn't really have a, a ton of of criminal affiliations or or alleged criminal affiliations. Tupac wasn't really a drug dealer. I mean, I think he dealt on a corner a couple, you know, for a little while, but wasn't any major weight man. Um, you know, Biggie was was small time. So a a lot of those guys that were rapping about it back then
2: weren't doing it. But, you know, Russell Simmons in his book has always said that even more than him, Jam Master Jay was the most street guy in that whole clique. Right, right. Um, And, you know... and. and more in, 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 like that he would he would show them I understand the
1: fashion a situation now where i think a lot of these guys
2: he would bring them the fashion of the day he would show these guys what's out. going on on the street because really those guys weren't street
0: right another uh interesting development here is the fact that we'll see what happens but the fact that there are even indictments because the three of us have talked about. You know, the, it's pretty extraordinary that all this time has gone by and Tupac and Biggie, those murders, I mean, we're, it seems like we're no closer to solving those, at least officially. Everyone has their theories. But um, it seemed like maybe the, the Jam Master Jay murder was going to go down that same, that same hole of just a prominent hip-hop artist who is executed gangland style and nobody's ever brought to justice. So this is a pretty huge development, I think, Uh, these these indictments.
1: It should be interesting to track.
0: Right, right.
1: Speaking of, um, so let's let's seg let's seg the BMF. But I want to say one thing that I learned this week that will seg us. (laughs) Is that is that an expression that will seg us? That will help (laughs) us segue. So, um, I was talking to some BMFers, um, former uh, high-ranking members of Black Mafia Family. And they told me that the feds were squeezing them pretty hard up until just recently um, about information related to Jam Master Jay. Not claiming that BMF had anything to do with it, but believing that BMF knew who did it and some positive momentum in their investigation.
0: Scott, you just, you like stroked out there for a moment. <laughs> Your feed got a little slow. Feed, right. Yeah, it sounded like you were stroking out. Like you were like, oh. and <laughs> BMF. Should I do it all over
2: again? Say it yeah. again. Yes,
0: yeah, say it again. The whole thing? Uh, ab- about, about how they were, uh, when you talked to the high ranking BMF guys yeah, okay. after that. So, so, something interesting that I found out this week um,
1: when asking about Jam Master J, I talked to a couple. Uh, former high ranking members of black mafia family uh, who we'll get to in a second. And they told me that, you know, over the last 10 years, 15 years, since their case came down, the black mafia family case came down in 05 that the federal government, um, FBI agents, DEA agents, um, prosecutors had been visiting BMF members in lockup up until this year or up until late last year. Uh, trying to squeeze them for information on the Jam Master J murder, not believing that they had anything to do with orchestrating it or that they were involved in the conspiracy, but believing that they knew who did it. And that um, by trying to play, uh, you know, uh, quid pro quo with them, offering them early releases if they gave them information they knew that could provide positive momentum in the Jam Master J investigation.
0: So, speaking of uh, the connection between the underworld and the music industry, as Scott mentioned, we're going to segue into BMF. A um, lot of interesting things going down on the street related to, to BMF, either directly or indirectly. Uh, Scott, you've been talking to some heavyweights. What's, give us some updates on what's going on in the BMF universe, Black Mafia fans. So, I
1: don't know if we touched on it in the last episode or two, but uh, one of the original BMF members... Chris Pig Triplett um, was murdered in a drive-by shooting last month um, on the west side of Detroit. He was a confidant of both uh, Big Meech and Southwest T, uh, Demetrius and Terry Flannery, the uh, founders and and co-bosses of of Black Mafia family. He came up with them um, in the 90s and became one of their uh, primary transportation lieutenants in the late 90s and early 2000s. And then just this week, uh, some court filings were unearthed uh, based on a case that's going to be going to trial in December. Uh, Three um, out-of-towners are charged with a drug-related homicide on the west side of Detroit back in 2016 where a lower ranking black mafia family member by the name of ricardo slick rick mcfarland was murdered and according to these new filings uh the murder had nothing to do with with mcfarland or bmf and he was simply collateral damage uh when he went to visit one of his friends who had uh screwed over some of his drug dealing partners one of them possibly cartel connected uh, for about $250,000 in uh, a drug deal. And this, uh, this victim named Robert Eddins uh, was a former NFL linebacker who grew up in Detroit, uh, was a star at, I believe, Ball State, um, and played for the Buffalo Bills, then played in the CFL, and retired in 2014 and immediately jumped right into the drug game and started purchasing kilos down in Houston, Texas, and then bringing them up to Detroit to sell. Uh, he was partnered with a, a, a guy from Birmingham, Alabama, by the name of Michael Griffin, allegedly. And Griffin and Eddins would would travel down to Houston, I think, bi-monthly, and purchase. Uh, I think four. They would they would buy them in four kilo. Um, packages and then they would split them two kilos a piece and then griffin would go sell his two kilos and edens would go sell his two kilos edens was moving the drugs in detroit and smith was moving the drugs in alabama uh at some point in early or in late 2016 edens pushed griffin and their supplier who was a cartel connected drug dealer in Houston um, to up the ante, and he wanted to go from the four kilo package to 10 kilos and split it five apiece. Uh, it's all on consignment, so they're getting the drugs up front. And there were some questions, I believe in September or October, of whether or not Robert Edens had the juice on the street of Detroit to get rid of five kilos in two weeks. He, he assured his business partner Griffin and his supplier uh, down in Houston that he would be able to get rid of those drugs, but failed in that endeavor and then just decided not to pay the cartel guy back the money that he owed him. Griffin ended up allegedly picking up the tab uh and repaying the debt. And then, according to the this these court filings, um, griffin the cartel boss and the cartel boss's enforcer who was from mississippi um, drove up to detroit uh in the middle of december of 2016 and located eddins at a house that he owned right about uh, around eight and evergreen eight mile in evergreen where ricky mcfarland who had literally weeks before had just walked out of prison from doing 10 years on the BMF bus, the Operation Motor City Mafia bus, he came out in late October. So this is like six weeks later. He's going to visit Eddins, who he had known growing up, and just happens to go there the wrong night. The night that uh, these three people, according to federal prosecutors, showed up at the house to, to murder them. And they, uh, again, execution style, put him down on the ground
0: and uh, bullets to the back of the head. Well one question I have uh, for Scott, and um, based on talking to your sources is is the the sort of underworld politics here and 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 how does BMF um, approach this because it seems like one of their guys is gunned down here, wrong place at the wrong time. but if you if you look at a parallel in the Italian underworld with the mafia. If a, if a member of the Colombo family, if there's a war going on with the Lucchese's within the Lucchese family, and a member of the Colombo family just happens to be at a social club that gets shot up and he gets taken out, the Lucchese guys have to answer for that. They have to, mm-hmm. like, it's not going to be a war, but they're going to have to pay the Colombos, right? They're going to have to settle that. Like, you killed one, you killed a made guy. I don't care if it was on accident, wrong place at the wrong time. You can't kill one of our guys. So I don't know if there's a parallel here in the, in the uh, uh, black underworld. Like, I mean, BMF can't be too happy about one of their guys. I think it's a very,
1: very good question.
0: And I think we should also give a little more
1: background on Ricky McFarlane. Now, Ricky McFarlane wasn't as high ranking as the Flannery's or Pig Triplet. But Ricky McFarlane was a part of, I guess, what you might have called the, uh, the JV BMF. Um, where he was part of a, a younger generation who came up underneath the Flannery's and both Flannery's from what I hear called Slick Rick McFarlane, their nephew, even mm. though he wasn't their blood nephew. Uh, Slick Rick McFarlane was best friends with Marlon Welch, who they call little dog and little dog is Terry
0: Flannery's stepson. Um so yeah, I mean, it could go. Did you hear me? Did you hear me when I said? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. The the close relationship uh, that, so, he was, that he's Terry Stetson. Let up. me
2: ask you this yeah. though. Yeah. So the Flannery brothers are in the drug game for a long time, based here. Um, there's rumors that you know they 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 help fund record labels. I'm not going to say who, but we can say it. Bad I know, I know, heart. I know. I will say, but yeah. but the, but that. But let me ask you this though. When they decide to start their own record label, do do the do the other guys that own labels get mad at that or they there's nothing they can do about it?
1: Well, I don't think it was uh, I don't think it was a legitimate endeavor. Like right. I don't think they really It was a front. A it was record. just a label. It was a Yeah.
2: figurehead because thing. Because
1: if they wanted to be serious about it, they would have tapped Jeezy as their as their signature artist not blue da vinci right because they were putting all this money behind jeezy to get his career off the ground but didn't have him affiliated with the record label which tells me that they they weren't serious about the record label
0: yeah so bmf i mean they weren't in competition with any of the major Recording studios. Why they weren't so? Putting but it up and but out.
2: could they not they secure a
0: music out? Right. One artist. Could
2: they not secure they a distribution deal single. though, because of the the uh, reputation?
0: Probably. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they were even interested <laughs> in in getting that far. Uh, you know, in the record business. Um, but, I mean, Jeezy should have been the if they were really
1: trying to become music moguls instead of feeding Jeezy money you know under the table to to launch his career they should have attached the BMF music label officially to
0: young Jeezy and and what's going on with Big Meach by the way with his appeal process there's some developments there as yeah, well yeah so Big Meach got rejected a
1: couple of weeks ago um I don't know what took so long it was like 3 months in front of the judge and he came back and um said that he didn't meet the requirements for a compassionate release and then cited something like 130 days that had been brought back on Mitch's sentence for, for bad behavior. Because for in the, in, in the feds, you get days every month that you do a good time. You get like a day, you got like 130 days put Back on his sense because of uh, being caught with contraband marijuana, a cell phone. Um, there was one allegation that he had a, he had been caught with a um, with a shank. I know that Meach vehemently denies that. Says he was never caught with a shank, but that was um, cited in, in uh, U.S. District Court uh, Judge David Lawson's um, opinion on so why. So let's he was say this:
2: who, who are the top? Four or five black entrepreneurs that are running the the, the, the music industry now. Drake and Kanye. Okay. Um, Is Sean Puffy Combs Co- still there? DJ
1: College, French Montana.
2: Okay. So, do these guys? Know who Big Meech is? Do they give a shit? Are you, are you, wait, um, Roberto. Are you,
1: are you joking, Roberto? Yes, I think you're you're being sarcastic. Right? Well, Where I am, know?
2: but I mean, what what like?
1: Just listen to their music, dude. They, I I got a um, I got a uh, part of the. No, um,
2: I don't listen court, to their music.
1: No. Okay, well, par, part of the court filing references that Big Meech's name has been shouted out in the last three years. On a hundred and ninety top fifty singles. Wow! In the, in the rap. In the wow! Rap. So yes, they know him. They revere him. Um, you know, Rick Ross has a whole song called "BMF" where he shouts out Big Meach in the uh, in the chorus. Um, Drake frequently references Big Meach in his raps. Um, yes, the, I don't think it's a question now of whether or not they're known they are bonafide hip-hop icons um almost deities especially with big meat i mean he's like a a christ-like figure in in the world of hip-hop and that's not being hyperbolic um and the thing is that they're
2: you know they're still alive and well i mean even though incarcerated but you know some are out, some are in, but it kind of reminds you of the guys that were in paid in full, right? I mean, yeah,
1: most of them are out. There's only probably a half dozen that are still in from a bus that nailed like 150 people. Um, and Terry Flannery walked out uh in May on a compassionate release, uh, 10 years early, uh, under the same type of motion that Meach was hoping to, uh, get, to get his sentence uh, shaved down by 10 years. But playing on what you just said, Big Meech is shouted out on every, every rapper's songs, not Southwest T. That's why Southwest T walked out, because he's not getting shouted out on every rapper's songs. But if you put on the radio, you put on uh, you know, the hip-hop channels on, on Sirius... Um, I mean, I'm telling you, every other song, there's a Big Meech or a BMF reference.
2: So I, I always remember that, like the two biggest stories I remember is that there was a time where 50 Cent was at a party, and Big Meech came there, and there was some sort of problem with that. With it was with, um, well, 50s aligned.
1: 50s, you know, aligned
2: with Mid- Murder Inc. There was a problem Henry with Murder Brothers Inc. or right
1: something. Uh. Well, right now Fifty Cent is has Terry and Meach's television scripted rights and is doing a a, a follow up to his hit show Power on stars, which is gonna be the rise and fall of BMF.
2: Okay, you know what I, you know, um, yeah, no, I remember that they were with fifty cent, but Supreme Right had a problem.
1: Yeah, this must have been uh, early 2000s before Prem got uh, picked up right? Uh, and, and locked There was a Ja Rule party
2: or something?
1: Yeah. Well, 50's definitely been trying to co-opt uh, and leverage the BFM brand for his own uh, sake when it comes to the beefs that he's been in, specifically with Murder, Inc. and Ja Rule. Um, you know, there are allegations just like with Puffy, that Irv Gotti, some of the, the startup money, some of the seed money for Murder, Inc. Uh, was provided by Terry and Meech and, and the
2: BMF people. Now, how about this, though, that Sean Puffy Combs, his street advisor, his confidant, Anthony Wolf jones Right. Was killed by Meech. How Now, yeah. how does Sean Puffy Combs those. is a businessman. I guess he knows to, that he has to forgive and forget or whatever, but d- does he respect that move or does he harbor resentment for that move?
1: Yeah, I don't know. But if you read the, spe- if you read the details of what happened that night, um, it's relatively clear that Wolf Jones and um, his friend uh, Riz Gertie, who were both killed, uh, were looking for trouble. They were kicked out of the club that night for fighting with the BMF crew, uh, over a girl and Riz and Wolf were, were waiting at Meech's car for him. Um, eventually Meech and his bodyguard bull, uh, drew first, drew faster and, and shot both Wolf Jones and and Riz Gertie dead in the parking lot that night. But, you know, Meach was let off. Meach and bull were both let off uh in that case on, on self-defense. So according to the authorities, um it, it was a case of self-defense.
0: Do we have time to uh, get so to I don't the I don't know bu-
1: I don't know what puppies take on
0: there. Do we have time to talk about the Cana- uh <laughs> Canadian uh stuff, Roberto? Sure. Go ahead. Okay, so uh just to uh Uh, Finish up the show here. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some Italian mob. Yeah. uh, Switch over to uh, Italian mafia. I think the last, I I think we did an episode a few weeks ago where we talked about some of the violence going on in Hamilton. But uh, since then there have been further developments, other, other violence and Scott has been reporting on it on on gangster report. Uh, What's, what's the latest word on the street? In, uh, well, right, well, right after um,
1: Fat Pat Musatano was gunned down, the, the mob boss of Hamilton, one of his business partners were gun, was gunned down a week or two later. Um, and then last week, the violence moved back to Montreal where it all started, and an alleged Montreal mob capo by the name of uh, Nick Spagnolo. Was charged with attempted murder and assault from a bar fight where he stabbed um, another patron. And Nick Spagnolo is someone who, according to authorities in Canada, has had a contract on his head for the last four years. He's aligned with the Rizzutos. His dad, Vince Spagnolo, was Vito Rizzuto's right hand man. Vito Rizzuto was the longtime godfather of. Montreal, whose incarceration in the late 2000s in United States prison laid the groundwork for this epic biblical mob war saga that's been going on now for 11 years. Um, Vito Rizzuto died of cancer in 2013, but the the violence continued. And Vince Spagnuolo, who had been Vito Rizzuto's right hand, kind of his chief chief of staff, if you will, um was gunned down a couple years ago so um it's uh it's a real uh powder keg still uh, a decade over a decade later so we'll see what happens with Nick Spagnolo. but we don't know if that altercation had to do with just uh you know you bumped into me and and disrespected me at the bar or if it was someone that Nick Spagnolo felt was coming to hurt him or kill him uh in the uh uh in in the process of this ongoing gangland war
0: well that's why it becomes really complicated and difficult to figure out what's going on here because you know there's a mafia war going on, but when you're a part of this world right you have you you may have multiple enemies and so there may be someone out to get you that has nothing to do with it the right the mafia war right and um or It could be a situation where just some tough guys have had too much to drink and, um, you know, uh, one thing leads to another and there's some kind of altercation. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, According to the um, authorities,
1: all of the sons of the Rizzuto hierarchy, when the war erupted, most of that hierarchy is dead. And the sons of, of those people have now risen to power uh Leonardo Rizzuto, Steven Solicito, and uh Nick Spagnolo are kind of being considered the top three or definitely Solecito and uh Rizzuto are considered the one and two and then Nick Spagnolo is considered a capo, possibly maybe a consigliere, we're not sure.
0: So uh any any updates on back down in Hamilton, like, uh, who was behind those, the murders of Musatano and his associate?
1: I think those questions have still yet to, to be answered. Um, it's just really crazy to think how this war has spread across Canada. And, you know, started in Montreal, eventually got to Toronto, and then three years ago has come into Hamilton and has been fierce. Where Hamilton had really been able to stay out of it for the first ten years, and now is 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 pulled right into the eye of the storm. Do and I don't think, think it's I don't think it's a coincidence that a week after Fat Pat dies, one of his business associates dies or is killed.
0: Be, let's be uh, controversial here. Do you do you think uh, Buffalo is connected to the? Yeah, uh, for. What's yes. going on in Hamilton? And and the reason why I say controversial, if people don't know, there are there are people on online forums who are uh, do not believe that the Italian mafia exists anymore outside of New York. <laughs> you just have the five families, well, and, and there's, and they, they, there's, there's these, no mafia these, in Buffalo, no mafia in Detroit, no mafia in Chicago, and these so, keyboard minions, <laughs>
1: um, they are they, they 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 pick and choose what facts. To to back their argument with. So in this case, I think it was completely um, okay, and in some ways justified up until recently to wonder about the status of the Buffalo Mafia. We didn't have any news. We didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, We thought at best they were a very small. Fading organization at best if they existed at all Mm -hmm. but in the last two or three years you've had court filings come out and cases filed with wiretaps where the alleged underboss of buffalo is talking about not just the fact that they have a family structure but that he beat out 30 other people for the underboss role so if there were 30 people jockeying for the underboss role, what does that tell you about the size of the family or what it could be?
0: It did, wasn't there some information in those wiretaps about their interest in Canada, too? Because Hamilton... Yes, the, well,
1: the, 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 underboss that was, the underboss that was recorded is Canadian, and he's the first Canadian to be named a, uh, 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 an administration member of an American mafia family.
0: And he is, uh, he comes from an
1: important lineage. You want to. He's the, uh, Dominic Violi, whose dad, uh, Paolo Violi, um, was murdered in the seventies by the Rizzuttos for the Rizzuttos to take power in Montreal.
0: And his, his uncle, his uncles, Violi and his
1: brothers, right. Had to move to Hamilton from Montreal and take refuge underneath the, uh, the banner of, uh, the Lupino crime family, which was tied into the uh, Magadino crime
0: family in Buffalo, so it it doesn't seem completely far fetched to think Buffalo is connected to what's going on in Hamilton right now. I mean, right. and you- they, and the and these documents and these recordings name
1: Big Joe Big Joe Tadaro, uh, the boss, and he's someone whose name has been linked to organized crime and uh, mafia activity in New York since the seventies. His dad was lead pipe Joe Todaro, who was the boss of uh, Buffalo in the, uh, from the 80s in, until he died in the 2000s. And it's you know alleged that Big Joe took, took over from his dad. Um, there was actually some interesting FBI surveillance in the early 80s of both Todaro's uh, flying into Detroit to meet with Jack Toco um, related to uh, Las Vegas casinos. And... Um, the Tadaros were actually mentioned in the Gamca- I mean, Gamtax case as unindicted co-conspirators uh, in the 96 Gamtax case. Uh, but, but just like with Jack Toko, who made a lot of money outside of the mob, the Tadaros have a pizza and buffalo wing franchise called Lenova, which is a juggernaut, um, claims the have invented the buffalo wing. <laughs> um and makes a ton of money through legitimate means through the, the Nova Pizza Chain, which isn't just uh outlets in Western New York, but has a presence in supermarkets uh in the frozen food aisle around the around the country. And um a lot of those keyboard jockeys that Juana Espouse the notion that there is no Buffalo Mafia. Say that, you know, Joe Todaro, why would he be a mob boss if he, you know, is a rich restaurateur? Yeah, he's a pizza man,
0: pizza and wingman. Right. That's all. Yeah, go ahead, Roberta. You wanted to wrap up here? What do you got for us?
2: Well, yeah, since the last time we got together uh, on Netflix, there's been a couple, you know, huge things since we have met. One was the uh, City of Fear. Mm-hmm. And just quickly, I wanted to get your guys' opinion on that. I loved it. I thought, you know, I mean, listen, it, it, the three of us probably didn't get anything new out of that that we didn't already know. But I thought the presentation was great. I thought that, um, you know, the look of it and and, and the um, the the old school footage that you would they got on there and that was really cool and that's worth it just on its own. But uh, Roberto, you know, I that's... agree
1: with you one hundred percent. It wasn't something that. A, a real mob buff or aficionado or researcher would learn anything no. new. It was really kind of a, a, a mafia 101 class for people that didn't know anything about the mob. So that was a little disappointing going into it, but for me at least, but after watching it, I was really impressed by the production value um, and all the footage and transcripts and wires and surveillance photos that they were able to share was just uh, really refreshing and as little new information as they gave they provided a lot of documentation that had not ever been seen before when we're talking about the photos or the recordings um so i thought it was really good and for anyone that doesn't know a lot about the mafia i think
2: it's a great primer i you know i thought it was really cool if you know if you want to go back and you want to learn more on that, because I was a guy 15 years ago, I loved that Boss of Bosses book you know, written by Andy Currens and Mm -hmm. and, the FBI agents, and it kind of brought me back to that and reminded me a lot of that but the book is so much more rich in content that if you you like that you gotta get that book, because that book is like gold yeah,
0: I read that in high school I remember reading that in high school.
2: And then the other one I want to get your opinion on was uh, Mob Town.
0: I that, haven't seen that yet.
2: That just debuted on Netflix. And uh, that's all about yeah, gotta, the Appalachian, yeah, uh, you know, um, David Arquette's in it. But it's all about the meeting in 1957 of the, all the heads of the five families.
0: Is uh is, is Rob Davi in that movie? that the one? That, yeah, he is. He plays Vito Genovese. So w- we might be able to get him on the show, which would be really fun. And uh, just a shout out to my, uh, to, to, to my nerd collection. I just received in the mail the other day Maniac, a Blu-ray copy of Maniac Cop Part 2 with Rob <laughs> <laughs> So I love B-films. I love B-horror B films. And so uh, I saw him on there. It reminded me to see, check out Mob Town and see if we can get him on the uh, on the podcast.
2: I loved it. I thought it was great. I, wa- I, I mean, really, I, I thought it was awesome. I mean. It, i got to watch it. I haven't seen it. I really recommend it. I thought it was great. I mean, even though I knew everything that was going to happen, but um, it, it played more to the local level. What I thought was cool was what happened in that city at the time. Right, in that you town. Know, that was and pretty the cop cool. that
0: discovered it all. Right. And, on it. And Roberto finally watched The Town, which is, I know Scott and I, it's, <laughs> one <of> the, it's <laughs> I Oh, The Town <laughs> is epic. Yeah, he finally watched it. What did you think? You liked it, right, Rob? Oh,
2: my God. It was one of the best movies I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, my God. Absolutely. I really
1: it. Yeah, Taking I liked down it. the Cathedral of Boston. Priceless.
2: And then I'll tell you the other thing I love, I and mean, everyone's got to watch this because it ties into it. It's on Netflix now. Is uh, Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip? Oh, when he does when he
1: does his uh, his bit about the Motown. <laughs> yes, yeah,
2: that's the best. Yeah, <laughs> the best. Yeah, that's a classic. The Capuzzo brothers. The Capuzzo brothers. The Capuzo brothers. Was- Give me a cocksucker.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Johnny Salami.
2: Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Salami. And <laughs> <laughs> he's sitting there with an ice pick in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> The Caboose,
1: the Cabozo brothers. That's a great one. I Richie, love you're that. funny. You're funny. Stick them up, Richie.
0: Stick them up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: that,
0: that's, that's awesome. awesome. All,
2: All right, right. Well, let everybody know where are we gonna get this. Uh, you know, we're promoting now. Where's everybody gonna download this, and where can they subscribe? And
0: so, like, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, radio.com, dot uh, iTunes. You know keep on spreading the word uh we're we have a corporate partner obviously, but in many ways this is still a do it yourself operation so uh we'd like to get uh, bigger and better and and one way we can do that is by your support audience members supporting us and and liking us on social media following us on social media and spreading the word and let's just
1: tease the fact that we could have some major made we can you, yeah, you hear me? Yeah. yeah. We could have some major league guests coming down the pike here in the next couple of months. I mean, the type of guests you will only get in original gangsters. We're talking some top shelf retired mob guys that you have never heard from. Um, one of them, I don't even know if he's retired, but he's in prison and he's reached out and uh might want to talk. So And it, remember keep keep your eye open and and, and your ears open and We'll be giving you some some really good content.
2: Check out. the past episodes. We've had George Young.
1: Yeah. We've right.
2: had Michael Frances. Frances. We've had some of the biggest guys in the mafia world ever. I Who's mean, Vince
1: Jack balcone
0: Forget Larry about it.
2: Forget about it. Yeah. Forget about it.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. All right. We'll, well see, thanks, you guys guys. see you guys next time.